Today's Bible scripture of the day is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the A Balanced Life podcast. I'm your host, Atiqua, and I'm on a mission to help women find healing and balance through finance because let's be real, we weren't just put here to pay bills and die. In this cozy corner of the podcasting universe, we're diving deep into life and finance keeping it casual, keeping it real and funny. And honestly, just look at me as your financial homegirl at this point, okay? From finance tips to the most interesting finance journey stories, I've got it all and trust me, nothing is off limits here. So join me on this fun and intimate journey to creating a balanced life where fulfillment is key. And hey, make sure to check the show notes for resources related to today's episode. Now grab your pen, grab your paper, maybe even a little drinky drink, and let's start creating a balanced life together. In this episode, we'll dive into the importance of integrating your faith into your financial planning for a secure and prosperous future. I'll provide practical insights, real-life examples, and most importantly, guidance from the Bible to help you align your financial goals with your faith. However, before we get into that, if you're looking for a different approach on your financial journey that allows you to start balancing your faith, finance, and desires, take the How Balanced Are You Financial Personality Quiz. When you take this quiz, you'll receive one of four personalities plus the insights to go with it, action steps, and tailored scriptures for where you are on your current journey. The link to the quiz is in the show notes. So when we talk about integrating faith into your financial planning for the future, we have to, of course, start with building a foundation of faith and finance. So we're going to explore key scriptures such as Matthew 6, verse 24, and 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 10 that emphasize the relationship between money and faith. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Then 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. To me, it was important to reference these passages because it lays the foundation of how we should be looking at money. Money is supposed to be a tool rather than the ultimate goal. That is something that I've been preaching for a very long time. So many people have the desire to have a certain amount of money in their bank account or to build generational wealth, not necessarily for the good of other people, but for a prideful reason. And we need to make sure that if we are looking for these financial blessings, we are managing it properly and we are building it on a foundation that is pleasing to the Lord. I can't stress enough how important it is to recognize that wealth and material possessions should not replace God as our ultimate source of security and happiness. I have noticed so much over the last few years how in the finance space, money and generational wealth has become such an idol to so many people, and it's doing more harm than good, harming people's mental health, self-esteem, making people feel like they are behind when they really are okay where they are. It's just so many things that happen when people start to chase the wealth and the material possessions. When we are looking to integrate faith into our financial planning, we have to understand 
how important it is for us to be good stewards over what we have. So the concept of stewardship is the responsible management of the resources God has entrusted to us. So if we look at Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it highlights our accountability as stewards. So it says, the one who didn't know the master's will, but who did things deserving punishment will be beaten only a little. Much will be demanded from everyone who has been given much and from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. Pretty much to whom much is given, much is required. We are held responsible for what we have. If we have been blessed with talents, wealth, knowledge, time, and all the other things that are beneficial, it is expected for us that we are a blessing and a benefit to others. God is not blessing us just for the sake of us saying, oh, I made all this money. Oh, I built all this wealth. Okay, great. What are you doing with it? And how are you being a good steward over the resources and blessings that God has provided to you? And then when it comes to stewardship, we're also encouraged to be wise and responsible with our financial decisions, including spending, saving, and investing. So just to give you a personal story, a couple of years ago, someone very well known in the relationship space slash coaching space (laughs) reached out because, you know, they wanted to work with me because I was in finance. However, the more we spoke, the more I realized that it probably wasn't going to be a best interest for me, regardless of how many followers or how well-known this person was. We were talking about, you know, the idea of saving. And this person said, I don't save. What I'll do is spend what I make because I know God will provide. If I make $100,000 this month, I'm going to spend $100,000. And that is not being a good steward over what God has provided. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a fool consumes them. Meaning you are literally a fool if you take the precious resources and you devour them every chance you get. You don't put it to good use. You say, oh, you know, it's going to come back to me. You don't know when your season of abundance is going to be dry for a while. You don't know what is in store for you today, tomorrow, or next year. To be so bold to say, I can make $100,000 this month and spend $100,000 this same month, and I know God is going to provide a way and he is going to give it back to me. I don't know if I can necessarily agree with that. I don't know the conversation between this person and God, but looking at scripture, it sounds foolish to do because you don't know when your season of famine is coming. I say all this to say that you want to make sure that whatever blessings that you have, whether you think it's a lot or a little, you need to be a good steward over it because you don't know when your next blessing is coming. You don't know when the next season of famine is coming. You don't know a lot. (laughs) So you have to make sure that whatever resources that you have available to you, that you are using it as wisely as you possibly can. Then when it comes to stewardship, we have to understand the concept of tithing and its impact on our financial future. So when it comes to tithing, you know that it's pretty much giving a portion of your income, normally 10% to support the work of God and those in need. This is something that has to come from the first fruits, not, oh, I paid all my bills and then I'm going to give God the rest. No, you give God what is due his first and then you pay everything else because this is acting in obedience and faithfulness. Now, when I say tithing, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give a certain amount of money to a church per se. This means you can give it to charitable donations or directly helping people in need. 
For example, I don't go to church. I haven't stepped foot inside of a church in years, but I give money to people who are in need in the community or through my business with the mom fund. If you have been on my website at any time and you noticed the mom fund and you read what it was, you would have seen that I said a portion of my sales go to this particular account so I can help moms in need. And I was going to share with people every month how much I've helped moms in need. And honestly, after reading Matthew 6, when it says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I had to take a step back and say, you know what, that's probably not something that I need to do. People are just gonna have to trust that I'm actually doing it and being a woman of my word because I don't want it to seem like I am giving back for the praise when it's just actually on my heart and an act of obedience to God and being a good steward over my resources. But I say all this to say that tithing doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give your money to a church, but it can be to anything that furthers God's plans for his people. And as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to tithing, it's about obedience and your faithfulness. I want to kind of explore Malachi 3.10 for a minute and how it speaks to the blessings that come from being faithful with your tithing. It says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings for you without measure. If you can be faithful over a little, can you imagine what God has in store for you? It's about obedience and faithfulness and trusting God and his word. I'm going to veer off with a story for a second because <laughs> it may not seem like it's related, but I promise you it is. It's a story about when me and my husband first started dating. So you know how when you are dating someone or you even get married and you ask, you know, so what was your defining point? What made you choose me? In this particular case, my husband had came to my home or really my apartment for a date night. And I had ordered a pizza because we were going to watch a movie. And I saw this older woman. She was homeless. She had to be at least in her 60s. She was with her walker. And I saw her digging through the apartment building's dumpster for food. So I asked her if she was okay. She said that she was hungry. So I took my husband, let him into my apartment, went back outside to give him a piece of pizza. That moment right there is what showed him that I was the person that he was going to choose or that he should choose. And although it had nothing to do directly with money, I still gave from what I had at that moment that was of value to that woman at that time. I'm not shy to say that my husband is one of the biggest blessings of my life because without him, there's no telling where I would be. And without me being obedient and without me having sympathy for this woman, there's no telling what my life would look like off of a couple slices of pizza. Something so small can have a huge impact on your life. And in that case, that was a tithe because I was helping someone in need. It might not have been with money, but it was with food that someone needed at that time. Plus, I was a broke college student. I really didn't have any money to give, to be completely honest with you. So being able to help that woman in need with the little bit that I had was a very defining point. Now, as we talk again about integrating faith into your financial planning for the future, I have to express how much faith can provide peace and clarity in times of financial uncertainty, especially at the time of this recording. Things are expensive. The economy is in the trash and there's all sorts of craziness going on. 
But faith can be such a profound source of comfort and strength during financial challenges. It offers the assurance that you're not alone in your struggles, that a higher power, God, is looking out for you, and that there is a plan even when it might not be immediately clear. For me, I always say hindsight is twenty twenty. Sometimes before getting the blessing you're looking for, he needs you to hit certain requirements because if it's a financial blessing, for example, money just amplifies whatever it's thrown at. And if your goal is generational, you don't want to fuel generational trauma. So in this moment, it's possible that you might be feeling uncomfortable. You might feel like you are behind. You might feel like your finances have been on a struggle bus for quite some time. But I want you to look at it as a perspective of if I'm asking God for a financial blessing that is going to be a benefit for myself and generations to come, what kind of requirements might I have to check off before I'm able to receive these blessings so it doesn't become a hindrance for me and my family later? Because reframing our mindset that way also points our eyes back at God because anything that we ask him, it has to be a benefit to his kingdom and to his plan in some way, shape, or form. We've heard stories of people talking about, you know, when I lost my job unexpectedly, I felt hopeless and overwhelmed but my faith gave me the courage to keep going. I knew that God had a plan for me, even in the face of financial uncertainty. It was a time of reflection and growth, and it ultimately led me to a better job and financial stability. Or, you know, I struggled with debt for years. It felt like a never-ending cycle, but when I started to apply the principles of stewardship and trust in God's provision, I saw a shift. My faith encouraged me to make better financial decisions, and it brought peace to my life. When we operate out of faith and we start trusting in God because we know he has plans for us, even if we can't understand it or see it, it takes a lot of the weight off of our shoulders and the anxiety out of our hearts because we know that God is always going to fulfill his promises to us. I want to give you some practical advice on how to cultivate faith-based resilience and confidence in times of financial uncertainty because I know how much of a struggle it is. Number one, I want you to stay connected. Maintain a strong spiritual and community support system. Seek guidance and encouragement from your faith community during challenging times, whether that's your church, whether it's your family, whether it's somebody that you know is beneficial to you that you've met on the internet. Find a community that can pour into you spiritually. Number two, practice prayer and meditation. Regularly engage in prayer and meditation to find clarity and inner peace. You know, we're supposed to be meditating day and night on the word. So trust that a higher power is listening and guiding you. We know that we can find whatever answer that we need from the word. Number three, reflect on past experiences. Listen, our past can sometimes be our greatest teachers, okay? Recall moments when your faith helped you through tough times in the past. This can instill confidence that you can weather this storm too. Listen, I know we've gone through many storms. And although they have been uncomfortable going through those storms, are we not still here? Are we not still taken care of? Our bank account not might look like how we want it to look, but are we still here? Are we still taken care of? Do we still have a roof overhead, clothes on our back, food on the table, gas in the car? Doesn't matter how much, but are these things still true? And then also, I want you to set realistic goals. Create manageable financial goals that align with your values and faith. 
Having clear objectives can provide a sense of direction and purpose. Hey, beautiful souls. Are you a faith-based career and family-focused woman looking to start on a financial journey that aligns with your values and dreams? Introducing the How Balanced Are You Financial Personality Quiz. Discover your financial personality and receive personalized insights and action steps based on where you are on your journey. No more guilt or shame, just the guidance you need to start your financial journey with faith and confidence. You'll become one of the four incredible personalities, the money hustle maven, the money maven of one, the balance queen, or the money mastermind. And that's just the beginning. We'll also share some incredible Bible scriptures tailored to your personality, creating a deeper connection to your financial goals. But wait, there's more. Based on your unique personality, we'll recommend products that align with your financial journey, making it easier to make the best choices along the way. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and dive into your financial transformation today. Take the How Balanced Are You financial personality quiz and embrace a future full of abundance, purpose, and financial harmony. The link is in the description box or in the show notes. So since we talked about the foundation of faith and finance, now we got to talk about faith-inspired financial strategies, okay? <laughs> First, we have to talk about setting financial goals aligned with your values. When we are starting a financial journey based around faith, we need to make sure that it is aligning your financial goals with your values and beliefs. This creates a meaningful and purpose-driven financial plan that allows you to minimize comparison and burnout. How many times have you caught yourself comparing your journey to somebody else's because of what it looks like they have? In other words, how many times have you caught yourself coveting what somebody else had because you thought that you should be on the same level? When honestly, you don't even know what they really have. When you align your financial goals with your values and beliefs, you are honoring God by aligning your goals with his plan. And let me go back to that coveting for a second, right? So oftentimes we compare ourselves to what other people are doing, what other people have, because it looks great. But you don't know what it took for that person to get what they have, right? You don't know if it was God that blessed them with what they had. You don't know what they are doing or feeling behind closed doors. So yeah, you might be saying, oh, this person had made $10,000 this month in their business. Oh, this person got a job making $160,000 a year, not realizing that it's completely taking them off their path by having those quote unquote blessings, right? You don't realize how those things are about to take them down a path of depression, take them down a path of divorce, take them down a path of all types of other problems because you actually don't know if God really blessed that. You really don't know what's in store for that person based off of what they have. So you have to be really careful about what you are comparing yourself to and what you are praying to God for. When you're operating out of faith, you don't realize how it can provide a framework for setting the goals that you have for yourself with the emphasis that your financial journey should reflect your spiritual journey because God won't bless things that are out of alignment. Now you're probably wondering, okay, well, what is this framework and how can I make sure that I am in alignment with my spiritual journey or in alignment with what God has in store? Well, I would encourage you to reflect on some of your personal beliefs and your priorities and see if you can find a scripture based off of those things. Consider asking yourself questions like, what matters to me the most? And what do I want to achieve in alignment with my faith? When you're integrating these values into your financial planning, it will snowball and can influence how you set goals related to savings, spending, and investing. When you align your financial goals with your values, with your faith, 
It will lead you to a sense of fulfillment and purpose. You know how many times I've spoken to someone and they're like, you know, I feel like I am just on this rat race. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm just checking off boxes. Well, if you align your financial goals with your faith and with your values, it would minimize, if not completely get rid of, all of those feelings that you have and leaving you with the feeling of fulfillment and purpose, which will set you down a path feeling contentment. Now, if you don't know what contentment is, it is pretty much the practice of finding satisfaction and joy in what you have rather than constantly desiring more. How many times have you caught yourself asking for more? God, I really want another job. Please bless me with another job so I can make more money and I can take care of my family. God blesses you with that job, making more money so you can take care of your family. A year or two years later, God, I'm sick of this job. I'm ready to go. Can you bless me with another job making more money? He blesses you with that job making more money. But it's like, when do you stop and ask yourself, when is it enough? Contentment aligns with faith promoting gratitude for God's blessings. Those who live in a way that honors God and who are satisfied with whatever they have possess a strong spiritual life. This can help them through any of life's difficulties. So I want to talk about 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, when it's emphasizing the importance of godliness with contentment as great gain. This particular verse inspires contentment and gratitude as integral parts of a faith-driven financial life. When we are content with what we have in the present, it minimizes the risk of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, when it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Because people love money so much and they're doing anything to chase it, they will also almost do anything to get it. You look at people and you look at the news, you see armed robberies, you see people on OnlyFans, you see people selling feet pictures, you know, and this isn't to turn this episode into what it's not supposed to be about, right? But it is one of those things that you have to keep in the forefront of your mind because when you are so focused on chasing the money, you may also lead yourself down a path that is going to be hard to turn back from. To take it a step further because, you know, money touches everything, we also minimize the risk of generational trauma. You have so many people talking about how they will sacrifice family time for the sake of money, even if they have kids because they will understand they're the ones reaping the benefits. Now, before I go down this rabbit hole, okay, this is not for the people who are, of course, working their jobs and, of course, their kids have to go to a daycare or go to school. But this is for people who are saying outside of that, because I want more, I will sacrifice all these additional things. This episode is not to turn into what it shouldn't be, okay? Just take what I say for face value. Don't go too deep. <laughs> but follow me for a moment, because for me, everything is family focused. The more you sacrifice family time for money, the more you depend on strangers to handle your children. Let's be honest, a lot of our village is broken. A lot of grandmas and grandparents ain't grandparenting anymore, okay? Because they have a life that they want to live too. A lot of the village is paid for. A lot of the village is in public school. Because you are so used to sacrificing family time for money, now your children possibly develop abandonment issues or think this is normal, which snowballs into their life one way or another. And then going back to strangers handling your children, you have no way of 100% knowing what these strangers are teaching your children and how it will affect their lives. 
Again, not turning this episode into something that it's not supposed to be. However, I came across a clip of a preschool teacher the other day and how she talks about she teaches kids how to be gay. She teaches kids how to bypass their parents because F their mom. I'm going to try to put a soundbite in here so you can hear what I saw. Because again, you don't really know the people who have access to your children as scary as that is. And you don't know what kind of implications that can have on their future. I feel like I had to learn the concept of chosen families really young. And that's what I teach in the classroom, okay? I always say, give it to your friend, not your mom, because your mom. And I don't know. I just am so sad. <laughs> I am so sad. Then on the screen, it says, the only thing these Florida kids are learning from me is be gay. These are four to five-year-olds. Not their colors, not their numbers, not how to write their name, but about sexuality. Now, in terms of values for me and my household, I really don't want anybody teaching my children about anything that delicate outside of me and my husband. The types of things people can put into your children's mind can cause a division in your household between children and parents. And that's a whole nother generational cycle that has to be broken as if there's not a lot of broken families as it is. Now, this is not a dig at the community whatsoever. It's really just to show my point as you don't know who these people are and if they are teaching things that align with your values or not. Then your spouse may feel neglected. And with that comes a host of issues, you know, infidelity, divorce, roommate situation, your children not growing up in a loving home, and then also repeating that cycle with their marriage and with their children. You miss milestones that can never be duplicated. And this is for what? The sake of generational wealth or your pride? Because you can't have generational wealth when there's abandonment issues that have been created and not addressed, when children are taught things that they shouldn't be taught, when trauma is now in the mix because of you doing any and everything to get to the bag while sacrificing that important family time. I know it sounds extreme, but you don't understand how many people are currently living this reality. And I don't want that for you. It is important that we find ways to cultivate contentment and gratitude. I would suggest practicing things like keeping a gratitude journal, regularly reflecting on your blessings and sharing your wealth with those in need. And before you say, what wealth? I ain't got no money. Listen, there is someone, there are people who would rather be in your shoes than the shoes that they are in, okay? If you have more than somebody else, you are wealthy compared to other people. And when I say share your wealth, it doesn't always boil down to money. You heard me when I said I gave a lady a slice of pizza or a couple slices of pizza <laughs> when I was in college, right? It's all about what can you do to help other people? What can you do to be a benefit for other people? And speaking of being a resource for other people, we have to discuss the biblical mandate to care for those in need and support charitable causes because faith calls us to help others and support charitable causes. So let's talk about Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 36. It emphasizes the importance of helping others. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. This passage underscores the importance of serving others, feeding the hungry and helping the less fortunate because why? It furthers the kingdom of God. When it comes to some suggestions for incorporating charitable giving into your financial plan, 
this can be part of your tithing. Again, it's not necessarily you sending money to a church or putting your money into a church basket, but again, putting your money towards a good cause and helping other people. You can include a giving budget, you know, setting aside a portion of your income for donations and philanthropic efforts. Now, of course, speaking of budgeting, included in your budget are also your investments. And you know that they are biblical principles for investing, right? (laughs) So the biblical principles that are actually within the Bible can serve as your guide for investment choices, including ethical investing and avoiding unethical practices. So Proverbs 16.11 underscores the importance of honesty, integrity, and justice in financial dealings. It says, honest balances and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his concern. All things attached to us need to be on the up and up, including what we are investing in. So for example, GM has workers that are currently on strike. They've been in the news for quite some time. These companies are making record profits, but aren't paying their people, okay? And what's even more disgusting is I saw a clip of the CEO during an interview And she was asked about the millions of dollars increase in her salary while the workers are feeling like they aren't getting paid enough. And she had the nerve to say it was based off of her performance, like her performance isn't based off the bottom line of the people who are currently on strike, right? Now, knowing what you know now about GM and what's currently happening, how can you invest in that, right? Because James chapter five, verse four through five say, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Is that something that you want to be part of? You want to make your money off of people who aren't (laughs) making money to pay their bills. And honestly, I'm going to take this a little step further and it might sting a little bit. But let's talk about fast fashion like Shein and Fashion Nova. Shein is currently or was going through a RICO case because they're unethical practices. And I get, I understand. You see those prices on the website and you're like, I can buy 20 items for $200 and then put a 30% coupon on top. But those savings have to come from somewhere, right? And I've purchased from there. I bought school clothes from the kid from there. I understand it is attractive. But we also have to be careful what we're putting our money towards because we may be inadvertently participating in unethical practices. And of course, that's not biblical. Now, to get back on track to talk about investments, you have faith-based investment options. There's this principle called socially responsible investing, SRI. It is a concept of faith-based investment funds and socially responsible investments. Obviously, by the name of these, SRIs align with faith by investing in companies that adhere to ethical and moral standards, making a positive impact on society. And the crazy thing is these funds don't underperform the market typically. So it's not like you are giving up any money. But even if you were, again, what do you want to be part of? If you want a separate episode to specifically discuss socially responsible investments, send me a DM or a email and just say SRI and I'll know what you're talking about so I can see if I can put this in the lineup for the episodes. But again, we really have to be mindful of where we're putting our money, 
where we put our money is a vote for what we think is okay. And you may not think of it that way, but on the outside looking in, it can look exactly that way. And honestly, people's perception or really God's perception is what matters the most. So we're kind of going backwards a little bit, (laughs) not necessarily in an order of importance when it comes to your financial foundation, because I'm kind of just trying to get some things out here. But we have to also talk about like your budget in detail. So it is important to know that budgeting is a tool for responsible financial management. And also it is not a financial prison, okay? I need you to understand those two things are true. (laughs) Your budget or your spending plan should help you track your financial progress, avoid overspending and save for the future. Now there is biblical wisdom when it comes to budgeting, right? So we have Proverbs 21:20. It emphasizes the wisdom of saving and living within one's means. Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a fool consumes them. This is commending the man or of course woman who maintains provisions who takes care not to run out of important supplies. Good stewardship involves guarding resources and using them wisely. A wise manager of what God has given is not stingy or greedy, but charitable. When it comes to your budget, listen, not even just your budget, but when it comes to finance in general, simple is better. There are so many different ways that you can budget. Honestly, personally, I like zero-based budgeting, aka just putting your money into categories of what you want to spend or what needs to be spent. So you have mandatory expenses, you have saving, investing, extra debt repayment, fun, charitable donations, tithing. You put your money in those categories based off your current expenses. I used to teach off of percentages, But honestly, everybody's budget is more than likely out of whack due to inflation. So I'm not giving any percentages. But if you put your money into categories, it'll allow you to organize your finances so that you aren't all over the place. And so you know where all of your money is going and where it's supposed to go. There are so many apps out there. You can create spreadsheets. You can even hire a financial advisor. I wouldn't recommend it, to be completely honest. There are so many resources out there that can help you with effective budgeting. And heck, if you are a pen to paper girl like I am, I have my Wealth Starts Here financial planner. It houses everything from your monthly budget to your check-in to asset accumulation to your grocery list, your meal planning, all kinds of stuff. If you want to grab a planner, the link will be in the show notes. My belief right now is God is shaking the tables. I believe a lot of reasons why people are feeling stuck right now is because they have gone as far as they could go without God. Humanity has become so puffed up in the chest about being self-made. Oh, I make this amount of money. Oh, you trying to be like me. You need to boss up, blah, blah, blah. It's become so puffed up. We've become so vain and conceited like God can't humble us in a blink of an eye. There are so many idols we are worshiping from money to our job to celebrities And it's time to get back to God and have him be the head of our lives and as the provider that he is. I'm going to give you some practical tips for overcoming financial obstacles through faith. First and foremost, start talking to God more. It doesn't have to be this holier-than-thou speech. It doesn't have to be you slain in the spirit all day, every day. It doesn't have to be you laying face down on the floor crying in a puddle. It doesn't have to be all that. It could just be something simple like, 
God, I am tired. I am exhausted. I'm confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I need you to guide me in the most obvious way possible so I can know that it's you guiding me and not myself and not other people. Something so simple. Talk to God like he knows you, okay? Because he does, obviously. Get a devotional, read your Bible. If you don't have one, I'll link the one that I currently use. I love it. It is so simple and I definitely recommend it. Also, a really, really great read is The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. That book is so bomb and it is based off of biblical practices. If you are looking for a starting point on your financial journey and you're not ready for coaching or anything like that, that is a really great book to get started. And then also unfollow people and things that aren't good for your spirit, your goals, your faith, anything like that. Because so many of us are falling into despair and depression simply because we are following the wrong people. Guard your heart, your eyes, your mental health, your spirit, because there are so many ways seeds can be planted and we don't want to reap the wrong harvest. So in this episode, we covered the profound connection between faith and financial planning. We've discussed biblical principles, faith-inspired strategies, and real-life examples to guide you towards a financially secure future driven by your faith. If you're wanting to start on a journey that balances faith, your financial goals, and your life desires, take 60 seconds and do the How Balanced Are You Financial Personality Quiz, where you'll get one of the four personality insights, action steps, and tailored scripture to help you on your journey. I really appreciate you for listening to today's episode. As you reflect on Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, remember that trust in the Lord with all your heart is the cornerstone of integrating faith into your financial planning. Stay blessed, be blessed, all that wonderful stuff. And I'll catch you in the next episode as we continue to explore the meaningful connections between faith and various aspects of life.